Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to provide virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. So um, today we are going to go into a bit a little bit deeper on our last podcast. So within our last podcast, we talked about navigating clients through difficult times. And obviously, when we recorded that podcast, we were just starting down this uh, coronavirus quarantine um, business planning path. Now we're in the middle of April or early part of April. We have a lot more information. So we're going to actually go into a lot more specifics on what we've been doing for our clients um, for the coronavirus, as well as all the programs that are out there. So that way people are prepared to help their clients um, really get through these difficult times. And so it's, it's really a, um, a much deeper dive into what we talked about with our last podcast. So um, I have Adam here with me again. And Adam, um, if you want to get started, just kind of walking through the pr- three programs and what's out there for all of the small businesses. Yeah, it's been uh, crazy times. I know Right at the very beginning, everybody was racing to the the SBA and looking to apply for the EIDL loan. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, the the 3P loan came out and then they created a, a toilet paper aisle kind of <laughs> worst case scenario, basically, hey, all the money's going to run out, hurry up and file on Friday. And then, then we got on the 11th hour, literally the night before, all kinds of guidance that I think threw a lot of the banks into a bit of a tailspin, you know, that they had to file, follow a lot of the traditional SBA requirements in terms of documentation and everything. And I don't think the big banks were ready for that. They were all ready to go with a super simplistic version online. And then they just got bashed whenever, um, you know, whenever that guidance came out. And then the thing that we're not hearing a ton about right now, but we just want our clients to be aware of is the, uh, the employee retention credit. I think that's going to be one of those things that once everything settles down with uh, the 3P loan and everybody gets their money, they spend their money. They're going to start hearing about people taking advantage of the employee retention credit and then asking us why we applied for the 3P, which is gone, you know, (laughs) and then why can't I take advantage of these credits? So I think the biggest thing for us as we navigate those three, those three different products is, you know, we're telling people, um, you know, the EIDL loan is good to apply for. We're telling our clients to just wait until we get the 3P. Um, I know clients that have already applied for the EIDL, I, I hear they're starting to get funding now. Today's April 8th. So we'll see if that's uh, the case or not. But we're telling people just so that their, their EIN's not in multiple places at the SBA, maybe just go ahead and focus on the 3P and then circle back the EIDL as soon as you're done with that. You know, depending upon your circumstances, you know, if you've been hit hard, the EIDL is still going to be a, a great viable option. I'm sure everybody's aware of like what the differences are between all those. So I wasn't going to get too deep into the, the technicality, just how we're advising our clients between the two. So in most instances, we're saying do both, but do 3P first um, and then come back to the EIDL. We have a lot of um, guidance out there on this. There's a lot on our website. There's a lot of um, other uh means of communication that we've done on this or some write-ups we've done. So definitely check our website if you want more of the details that Adam's talking about. Um, so I think that is that is really important. And just to um, piggyback on what Adam said about the EIDL loans getting approved just this week, I think yesterday we saw our first couple of PPPs that look like they've been approved as well. So um, we've started to see a couple of those float through. Again, we've had a lot of clients apply and we've only seen two or three. So we're not talking about a lot of approvals there, but we have started to see a couple from the small banks trickle in as being approved. So I just want to throw yes. that out there as well. 
and, and we're not clear what approved means either. So yeah, exactly. conflicting, <laughs> conflicting uh, guidance on that too. Like, what does that mean? I mean, until we see money in the bank, you know, until these folks are getting calls saying, hey, we're going to deposit this. Do you want to do it? Not getting overly anxious about that. But it does beg the question whenever we talk about the, the 3P loan is the employee retention credit. Because again, I don't think it's getting much press right now. And I don't think it applies, at least for us, for the majority of our clients. However, for the clients that are really hit hard, that are going for the EIDL loan, if they're completely shut down and they might be shut down for the foreseeable future, the employee retention credit might be a good one for them. I mean, there's a lot of nuances to it. You know, you would have had to been shut down by government ordinance or, you know, lost 50% of your sales. And then the way it, it's calculated is trickled in really weird. It's like once you get above 80% of where you were in the prior, in that same quarter, in the prior year, the quarter after that's whenever your credits stop. But essentially, you can get up to $5,000 for every employee that earns up to $10,000 between, you know, March 12th and uh, December 31st. So for people that are completely shut down, are not planning on hiring back everybody, you know, they're having to kind of restructure their business, or it could be a lot longer process on their way up, the employee retention credit might be uh, paired with the EIDL, might be their better solution. So it doesn't mean that, uh, again, I know everybody's in a frenzy, like let's apply for the, the 3P. And maybe some people did, and now they're doing the math on the employee retention credit and they're thinking to themselves, well, I don't know, maybe I should have went the other direction. I mean, you can always turn the loan down. Um, yes. Yeah, so the big thing there is, and what you want to do with your clients is kind of compare what that credit looks like, you know, because the PPP, the benefit of that is the forgiveness, right? So if you have, if you get a, a pretty large loan because you had a nice salary or nice costs as of February or as of um, prior year, you know, depending which part of the calculation you use, you might get a nice sized loan, but then you have to lay everybody off. You're not going to get very much of it forgiven. So then it's just going to be a loan. You want to compare the amount you're getting forgiven to this credit and how the credit will calculate for you. So that's what it comes down to is, okay, what's the PPP is really nice for people that are going to actually retain their employees. You know, if you're planning on keeping your staff, if you plan on keeping your team the same, but you need some help to do it, then the PPP will come in and it'll be forgiven. If you're like a dentist's office or a restaurant or something where you just can't keep employees on staff because you weren't getting any revenue, then you need to look at this EIDL combined with the, with the credits because that will actually be a better benefit for you because you won't have to worry about the forgiveness part of it. Yeah, it definitely could be. I mean, I think you bring up a couple good points. Um, you know, I know that specifically like dental offices, they've been getting a lot of guidance about maybe um, trying to time out their application for the 3P, uh, knowing that they're going to be shut down for, you know, you know, the next two to four weeks, rather than trying to get the loan right now in a time whenever they don't have anything going on, you know, maybe trying to push their deadline out until the beginning of May or something like that. Of course, everybody's scared that there won't be any money. So that is um, a risky run. I mean, I know they're saying they'll, they'll re-up the, the amount and stuff like that. But anytime it has to go back through Congress, it's uh, always a scary proposition. So there's that part of it. But the other side of it is, is I actually did do a calculation with a client that I think would have been more advantageous to do the employee retention credit. So assuming they, you know, and you know, keep in mind, we don't have a crystal ball, right? So we don't know exactly when things are going to come back and how that's going to shake out and how, and how well you're going to come back. But we ran some numbers and I'm pretty confident that this client, because um, they're not going to bring back a good portion of their people just based on timing and everything. Whenever you look at the amount that is going to be forgiven 
versus the base loan, and then you compare that forgiven amount to the retention credit, I think that they'll actually get more free money, quote, air quotes there, free money if they do the retention credit. However, this client in particular um, needs the loan as well. So that two years at 1% interest is a real benefit for them. So even if let's say they only, they're going to get a half a million dollar loan and only $75,000 of it's going to be forgiven. Um, the retention credits look like they might yield like a little over a hundred thousand dollars or so. So it seems like, you know, apples to apples, you'd want to go with the retention credit, but the, um, but the client's like, but I could use that extra money that I'm not spending on employees as a loan to help buffer, you know, the remaining time. And I would rather roll the dice with a little bit of security on the loan. So that's another decision to make. And and it might make your, your choice a little bit harder. And we don't know exactly how the forgiveness is going to work. And, you know, they're still looking to issue additional guidance on, you know, exactly how that's going to work and, and how that loan piece is going to work. So I wouldn't be surprised if they throw us another curveball. Yeah. And I think um, just kind of turning the page here a little bit. So talking about, um, you know, as a CPA or as a virtual CFO, what what our responsibility is here. And so obviously I've spent a ton of time with Adam over the last two weeks talking about, about this stuff. And you can hear him talk over the last eight minutes. He's he's probably read this bill more than some of the Congress members have and read, really been through it and got familiar with it. And I think as a CPA firm, I know that's been one of our strategies is to come into this as experts and really make sure our clients feel comfortable with us. Adam, do you want to expand on that a little bit and how we approach this um, coronavirus with our clients? Yeah. So a couple different ways. Um, one, we've been doing webinars um, for our, our client bases and just in the mass. We added a tab on our website for COVID-19 with all kinds of resources We've also been doing broader communication, you know, as a team, we kind of get together, hey, what's the highlights? And then we push, we've pushed that uh, communication out to all of our clients as kind of a broad message. Understanding, of course, like us, they're just getting pummeled with just COVID-19 emails. So we didn't want it just to kind of lay there. What we also did is we built a spreadsheet to calculate, and I know some banks have, well, they've been just super confused, like some of them are just flat out wrong. But we built a spreadsheet out that calculates the loan amount also. And and we did this last week. So we did it before they even came out with that additional guidance. We have the loan amount. We also have a forgiveness tab. And then we have a um, a cost benefit tab where we can see if we want to make specific strategic layoffs, what the impact will be on our forgiveness. Because as part of our communication and working with our clients is we're talking to each one of them, not just to make sure they understand how it works. You know, we're explaining to them, we're going ahead and introducing the idea of the retention credit saying, hey, I don't think this applies to you. Just know that it's either or as, as it stands right now. You can't double dip. They're not going to let you do both. This is the route that we think you should take. Here's our, here's our guidance on the EIDL. These are individual communications that I'm having with my client. And then they'll say, hey, you know, hopefully you were able to, to get the, the overall guidance that we sent out. And that, that makes sense. Do you have any questions? We walk through it and then we just jump right into an example. So we have all their information already dialed in. We've got all their support in order to build the loan calculation. I mean, don't get me wrong. They've asked for some additional crazy stuff in some of these applications. But for the most part, we had that, that information already around because that's what we were doing our loan calculations on in advance of this. So then what we're doing is we're walking the client through the loan amount because at the end of the day, they're the one that has to sign the application and they could be in some bank situations, the one that actually has to like take the phone call and, and walk through everything. So we want to make sure they're prepared and understand what's going on. 
So we walk through that example and then we flip over to the forgiveness tab and immediately show them, hey, based on where you're at, this is the chunk that could potentially be unforgiven. And, you know, keep in mind, you can pay this money back or you can hang on to it. And we kind of explain how that would work. And so that they're prepared that they don't think, hey, I've got payroll. I got a half a million dollar loan. I'm going to spend it all. I'm good. It's like, no, here's the caps. You know, you can only spend 25% on these categories. And so we walk through that entire analysis. And then finally, if we go through the layoff scenario for people that are considering laying off people, because maybe they were anyway, you know, just low hanging fruit, people that were poor performers that need to be moved on. Do you hang on to them artificially or do you let them go? How does it work with the severance? So we're playing out all those scenarios right on that G sheet. That's like, the first scenario planning that we've been doing. Yeah, yeah there's it's, a lot there. It's, it's really interesting. I think, you know, again, we, we, as part of our model, we talk to our clients every week anyways, or the majority of our clients every week. But I would say over these past two weeks, it's been, you know, talking to our clients almost every day, just keeping them updated, even if it's just a quick Slack message of, hey, just so you know, the loan application for your, uh, the bank isn't open yet. Just kind of keeping those things updated. And again, what we've found internally is um, what we've wanted to make sure is obviously it's great that Adam understands this stuff inside and out, but we want to make sure that everybody inside our firm understands it inside and out. And that's been the biggest challenge, I believe, is is trying to educate two people, not only our clients, but also educate our people so that way they can keep our clients educated. And so that's been one of the big challenges for us because as anyone who's been following this knows, things are changing every hour. I feel like since the second the coronavirus started, since we started working from home, or most people started working from home, it's been every hour something's changed. And so I think that's the hardest part is keeping that communication in one place and making sure that um, I'm not going into a call telling people, oh yeah, you should include your 1099 employees. And Adam's in another call with another client say, oh no, they're not included in that loan forgiveness. And so that's been really challenging for us is to make sure that we keep um, keep people educated on that. So Adam, you want to expand on how we've kept our um, internal team educated on, on this? stuff? Yeah. I mean, just like uh, external meetings with our clients on a regular basis, we're huddling up uh, probably on a more frequent basis. We normally meet a couple times a week as a CFO team just to discuss stuff. And we have other topics that we cover, obviously, but we've dedicated our time pretty exclusively to what's going on, new developments, that kind of thing, just making sure everybody's on the same page. We've also, I think, done a really good job within our Slack channel, just to people are constantly just feeding updates, feeding client updates. Like, hey, this bank is saying this, this bank is saying that. So we're all familiar. I might not work with three of the banks that are on that channel, but whenever people are asking, I can say, well, the other banks are doing this. So we have this portfolio of like 20 different banks, 30 different banks that we know exactly how they're operating, what they're asking for, you know, what they're telling and communicating to their clients. And we're all doing that within that Slack channel, as well as additional guidance from the treasury or anything else that comes available where somebody's immediately posting that inside of the Slack channel. And then when we do have our huddle ups, we're, we're talking through it. And then I think in addition to that, one thing we've done, um, because, you know, you never know how quick, again, things are changing quickly. Is so we have the Slack channel, we have the Slack communication, but we also have um, a OneNote, which is kind of the source of truth. Because you know, two hours ago, we could think we're including something in the um, in the loan calculation, and then you know, we found new guidance. We talked to someone new, and now we're no longer including that in there. And if you just read that message two hours ago, then you're using the wrong data since it's changing so quickly. So we have created a OneNote that is kind of our source of truth, and basically, I'm going through there all day, every day, and just as things are finalized or as things like are 
what we know right now, I'm keeping that as the most recent, like, this is what we know right now. And, and to be honest, there's some things in there that are unknown. Like for a while there, it's like, okay, this is right now. We're not sure about this. We're not sure how the taxes are going to be handled on this, um, on these repayments at some point. So that's in there as an unknown. And so we can tell our clients like, well, you know, just so you know, there's a lot of conversation about this right now. We're still trying to figure this out, but we'll keep you updated. So there are some things in there that are, you know, the source of truth and that truth happens to be, we don't know yet. So we have been trying to keep that source of truth right. page updated. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like nobody has hard facts on a, a yeah. lot of this stuff. It's, <laughs> it, it is starting to come to light now. And I think, you know, over the next couple of weeks, more will come. It's just we were put in a tough position in terms of instead of letting some of this bake and, and rightfully so. I mean, people need money, but instead of letting some of this stuff kind of come to, to the surface, we're having to kind of go with the flow and, and they're answering questions as we go and and banks are taking a little bit of time to, to get caught up. So um, I think uh, that our clients have felt our presence now more than ever, which I think is fantastic. You know, I think that we've been able to help them out, help clarify direction, you know, which way they should go, where they're at. We can also come in as a, a little bit of a cooler as well and say, hey, like, I know you're super anxious and you're mad that Chase Bank hasn't called you back or whatever, but keep in mind, ABC Bank and this one and this one and this one haven't filed either. You know what I mean? So like, let's stay the course. Let's not flip to some, some five and dimer, you know, that kind of a thing. Like, let's just, you know, kind of figure that stuff out. And I think that uh, our presence has really helped our clients navigate this uh, really difficult time and, and confusing time. So that first level of scenario planning is super important. And then we're already talking to our clients about what it means to their financial forecast. So we're taking it to the next level. So once we've done that baseline forecasting and we look at like, hey, how much of this is forgiven? How much of it isn't? Then we go right into our forecast and we're looking at like, hey, what's going to be, we're changing our sales assumptions, our churn, our, you know, whatever that is, like we're walking through modeling scenarios on the income statement and seeing what impacts they have on the balance sheet. You know, what does this mean to our overall liquidity? What does this mean to our cash in the bank? What does this mean to our tax situation? So we're adjusting all those things and we're running out two or three different models with our clients so that they can kind of see, hey, this is the impact. This is if I pay it back. This is if I hang on to it, you know, and they can say, okay, great. This is what my runway looks like now. And it it just, again, it allows them to focus on operations and, and making sure they're retaining their clients and doing those things to the best of their ability instead of worrying about, hey, should I be cutting 15 people tomorrow? oh, I didn't realize I had that kind of a runway, then, you know, assuming the loan comes through, I'll be in really good shape. If it's not, then, okay, we need to have this conversation again in what, two weeks? You know, we can play out those kind of touch points, which I think is also a great uh, value add because we've already got it in place. You know, being a VCFO, we're already all over this data and now we can just kind of plug and play into our model. And I think that the important thing is, is, you know, we normally talk with our clients about their forecast once a month. I would say over these last, this last month, it's been more like once a week, as well as giving them kind of a sandbox to play with. You know, when I, when I built the forecast for my clients, I didn't do it in some application they don't have access to. I did it in an Excel spreadsheet where, you know, we listed out the, their pipeline clients and said, okay, the, we think we're going to win these five. These two don't look so good. And then also throw the PPP loan in there. Well, we don't know if we're approved for that yet. So let's throw that in there as another possible um, 
cache source and throw that in there as an Excel spreadsheet. And then they can go through it at any time and they can say, oh, wow, we just won these three clients. We lost these two. What does that do to our situation? And they can play it through. But then again, every time I meet with them, the first question I'm asking is, hey, any updates in that forecast we built last week or that forecast we updated last week? So that way we know real time where the data is at, where they, as more clients walked away and they won more. PPP loan get approved or whatever those cash flows are, you want to have those scenarios played. And then when we talk to them, just be like, okay, what does that mean for this week's business? Oh yeah, we already talked about it. We knew if you won these three, it meant you can keep hold on to these contractors or you can hold on to this um, employee. If you didn't win these three, oh, I'm sorry. And that means we have to let this person go unless we get the PPP loan. And so it really has helped us find comfort. I know we talked about this quite a bit in our last podcast, but um, it is important to reemphasize that the, the forecasting doesn't stop. It actually gets more in detail now that we have this loan possibility and it's, it's just built into that forecast. Yeah. And sometimes the complexity of the forecast is too much for Excel. I know we're all Excel geeks, but just too many things go wrong. So, you know, to your point, Jamie, I think what I do with a lot of my clients is I give them a sandbox to play in that that's their sandbox. And then I have mine. And then that way I can also then connect and grab the information that I need. Because I don't know what the sales numbers are and how they're changing and ebbing and flowing with clients. So they can kind of play in with their document and they get a big picture view. Um, But then I can easily just take that information, plug it into ours whenever we do meet and say, hey, here's some of the balance sheet. You know, because I've already given them guardrails. You know, whenever I gave them that, I'm like, hey, here's our guardrails. Here's where we need to be. And so they have a good feel whenever they plug that stuff in where they're going to be. And then whenever I am jumping into the meeting, I can take that data, punch it in. They can see it in the the big forecast and they can see, okay, here's my cash position. I'm also being, um, here's another tip. I'm also being aggressive with my AR. I hope this isn't true, but I upped my AR days with most of my clients just to kind of give them doom and gloom scenario in case people start stretching them out. So um, I bumped that up. Yeah, that's well. really important. Yeah, again, you know, we talked about several times throughout this podcast forecasting the balance sheet, and that's super important. So, like, and, you know, in our forecasting tool, you're able to say how quick we're going to collect our AR. But even if you're just doing a, a cash flow meeting once a week, and you want to go through there and say, okay, let's and so these these clients usually pay in 20 days. Let's just bump them back 10 days, just in case they don't pay. What does that mean for cash in 20 days from now? Does that mean we're going to be leaning on our line of credit? Does that mean we're going to be in trouble? Like, what does that mean for our cash 20, 30 days from now? So it just depends on. Um, the sophistication of your um, your tools. So um, real quick, I want to throw our email address out there. Again, we're always looking to um, to make this podcast uh, for the listeners. So if you guys have any topics, if you want to be a guest, uh, feel free to email out to us. Um, again, that email address is cpa at summitcpa.net. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to make this show uh, more adaptable. So reach out to us. Again, the email is cpa at summitcpa.net. So um couple minutes left here, Adam. Any uh, final tips you have for our um, um, virtual CFOs out there? Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is just try to get inundated with the information as much as possible. You know, get the, the latest and greatest uh, guidance from the treasury and just try to keep your clients calm. I mean, let them know that, um, you know, we just got to work the process that's right in front of us. Everybody's in the same boat. Make sure you're communicating with them on a regular basis. I just call them on their cell phones check in even in between formal meetings. I just, Hey, just want to let you know, uh, just see if you need anything, just following up, making sure that, you know, X, Y, Z person was able to get stuff, you know, so I've been doing that on a pretty regular basis. And then, uh, like I said, just be ready with the forecast because I think that, uh, the hard work is probably still ahead of us in terms of making sure this money is spent appropriately and, uh, planning for the future. 
Yep. I guess my, my final note too is, and I know Adam briefly, briefly touched on this, but not only for your clients, but also especially if you have a very specific vertical, make sure you're communicating to that vertical as well. You know, we've been, we've been communicating with some of our industry groups and getting the same information out to them. So that way, even people that aren't our clients know that um, they have a trusted source that someone can help them with, you know? So I think that's the other thing we've been doing is we've been doing those um, webinars for areas that with clients that we work in a lot, you know, maybe half our clients are part of this group, but there's other people out there. And again, it's more just to make sure people know that when it comes to situations like this, that summit's an expert. So I think that's something else we've been doing. Um, and even like non verticals. I know what I've been doing is there's a couple of face groups I follow or Facebook groups I follow that have like business owners in and I'll just reach out to them and say, Hey, if anybody has any questions on this stuff, reach out to me. You know, I'm, I want to help, but it makes me feel good. Again, it's not really a, a summit initiative, but it's just something where I want to help as much as I can during these trying times. And I know if I have small business owner friends, even if they're friends I've never talked to before, because we're part of a similar group, I want to be able to help wherever I can. So that's something else you can do as well is just really be out there and um, communicate to people that are not necessarily your clients, but people that, um, you know, at least know who you are and know that you have some expertise in this area. Absolutely. Awesome. So that, that's kind of the end of the end of today's show. We appreciate all the listeners and I appreciate you, Adam, being so uh, well-versed in this stuff. Thanks. Enjoy this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry. 